0: If you need a new way to survive
1: Hello everyone and welcome back. This is Tom Parrish from Austin, Texas, of
0: course.
1: How about that? Puts us us in the mood. That's Bring on the Swing from thetoyhearts.com
0: And bring on the swing This life is for living Bring on the swing I'm here
1: with Derek Smith, CTO of SpectraCal. Derek, thanks for being on the podcast with me.
2: Oh, not a problem, Tom. I enjoy uh, being interviewed by you. It's always a joy.
1: All right. Well, good. Because I've got some questions Uh, with regards to this new product called Calman RGB from SpectraCal. You know, at first, I really didn't get it um, because there are other products that do display calibration on PCs and Macs. But the more I've worked with the software here of late, I'm thinking Spectracal has broken free of a kind of an old legacy way of writing difficult to use software only for high end privileged few who have reference monitors and things like that and underneath the hood, there's some algorithms that you guys have come up with, partly from my conversation with Joel, where you're significantly automating the process. It's faster, it's more accurate, and you know sort of the bottom line is for those in the Um, doing business and there's just two or three guys in the shop kind of thing. You don't have to be an expert to calibrate your displays anymore. Does that make sense? Is is this all part of an evolutionary change in the marketplace that's occurring?
2: Yes, it is. And kind of give you background on CalMAN RGB and CalPC, what we called it before that, Mm -hmm. and then a bit of Joel's history. Joel was actually working on a PC calibration product when we hired him. In fact, he was working on a utility um, that he had up on AVS that he was making available for testing. And I saw that and said, oh, he's working on some really interesting stuff in a direction that we eventually want to go to as the company matures. And so we started uh, working with him as a consultant and after a few months um, hired him, moved him from Portland to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the beginnings of our PC calibration products. Prior to that, we were primarily home theater, where we provided software for somebody that, you know, was calibrating projectors or TVs um, as a business or as an individual. And primarily those were fairly manual rudimentary controls. You know, you'd adjust brightness and contrast, color and tint, maybe cuts and gains if you have them. Eventually we got into multipoint and some CMS. But in the PC and Mac world, it's a very different animal.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And the reason for that is the displays themselves, what we traditionally call a monitor, or even you know the the display on a laptop typically doesn't have much control over its input, and that's by design. Um, in fact, I was talking with um, Charles Poynton last week mm-hmm. on um, this very subject, and he was talking about you know ICC profiles and various other things, and. and The linearity of display devices, and we were talking about the issues of color decoders in traditional televisions and projectors, often get in the way of what we're trying to accomplish. (laughs) You know, we want we want the RGB signal in or the YCC signal in, and we want it processed, untouched, back into pure RGB, and then just sent to the output device itself in the display. Exactly. And often, what happens is with color decoders is they do all kinds of stuff, and TV manufacturers take advantage of that. Monitor yeah. manufacturers typically don't. The signal coming out of your PC or Mac is either RGB or YCC. It comes directly into the display, unprocessed, goes through very, very little processing, and then shows up on the panel. Yeah. So it makes a monitor a very good candidate for a device to calibrate because there's very little processing that's actually happening in it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. As a result, most of the... Work has to be done on the PC or Mac side, in the video card, or in the operating system itself. Right. Um, some of the medium to higher end monitors do, in fact, give us, you know, what they call color temperature one yeah. control. Um, they may give you RGB gains to to. Min- to manipulate a color temperature mm-hmm. they may give you a backlight control right they may give you a gamut control that is you know srgb or standard or various couple of of those but they don't give you the multi-point gamma or the cms or the traditional things that televisions do all Right. so we have to do that in the the pc itself and that can be done a number of different ways before let's see. so it's wind all the way back up to when i was talking with tom lianza mm-hmm. um which was originally from SQL Imaging. He was one of the the original chairs of ICC, and this is going back 15-some years ago. Fascinating. Um, (laughs) He currently works at X-Ray. He's a good friend of ours. Um, In fact, he's the one that helped us design the C6 and the D3 colorimeters Uh uh, from his SQL Imaging days. Um, But he's very passionate about ICC and kind of the whole profiling um, thing, and it was one of his ideas to help continue development of that. The idea was since... The monitor didn't have any control, Mm -hmm. and the PC video card manufacturers were all over the place. You know, this is going back 10, 15 years ago where there was no unified drivers. There was no unified operating system control interfaces. Every single one had a different driver. You had all these different problems. You know, if you wanted to run a game, you had to have a special driver to run that. Operating systems had their own drivers. And so the idea with an ICC profile was to essentially just measure the display's performance along its gamma curve and then its gamut. And then store that information as what they called the a profile. Basically, how did this display perform? It doesn't actually do any calibration, it just is characterization of the display itself ah. along the gamma curve and the gamut. So we're basically just measuring two and a half dimensions of the three dimensional color space. Mm-hmm. The purpose of that ICC profile then was for a piece of software either from you know, like Adobe or somebody else that had you know, color editing software um, was to load that ICC profile in, take the characterization of the display, and then manipulate it so that it conformed to a standard. Right. It worked actually pretty well. And the reason it worked pretty well is most monitors act in a linear fashion. Mm-hmm you put in an rgb signal and you typically get that rgb out. And so if you manipulate it in a linear fashion, you can actually shrink the color gamut, shift the color gamut or move your white balance or gamma around within that. Nice. With with some success. Yeah. Fast forward a few years and Microsoft came out with their unified graphics interface, their GDI, and went to the display card manufacturers, the video card manufacturers said if you want to be in Vista windows 7 moving forward your card will adhere to these standards so they started dictating to the hardware manufacturers on how the card should interface with the operating system yeah since that was a unified interface then it also gave us access to the lookup table in the video card for the first time ever which is a completely new place to play and so then but that was outside of the icc interface even mm. though the icc has lookup card or what they call the vgct the the gamma tables inside the icc profile this is independent of that this is the video card lookup table itself in the hardware and this is about the time that joel was starting to work on this because it got really interesting he's like oh now i can do some really interesting stuff outside of icc without the constraints of an application having to be icc aware right which is still the case today on windows if you want to use an ICC profile, the application you're running has to be ICC aware. Right. The operating system is not in general. There are several apps that Microsoft includes with Windows that are ICC aware, like their photo viewer and paint and various other things that are meant for photo editing. Yeah. But the general desktop is not. Unlike Apple in the Mac operating system, its, <laughs> it's operating system is ICC. It's just part of it. Yeah. And then an application can load different ICC profiles if they want something different than what the operating system does. Right. Um, so they kind of took different approaches on how they were going to implement and use ICC. But in both cases, whether it's in Mac or an Apple, they gave us access to the lookup table in the graphics card. Nice. So that gave us much better control of the gamma curve and white balance of the display itself. Mm. And so that was one piece. And then we were looking at the ICC profile and saying, okay, we still need to be able to characterize the display for its gamut. So the software knows whether they're taking an sRGB and shrinking it down or shifting stuff around to get the display to conform to a specific gamut. But now what's happening since we're writing gamma data to the lookup table, we're truly, truly in a linear space now. Before you may or may not have been in a linear space. hmm um, especially on LCD where you have RGB coupling issues towards the bottom end. You may not have been totally linear. This helps with some of that by putting a ICC profile on top of a lookup table. So that's kind of the next evolution of, of what came along. Then also what came out was the ability for the computer to control the display through what they call the DDC channel. Mm-hmm. Whether it's over VGA or HDMI or DVI. From the PC side of things, and that became a standardized interface. And so we were looking at this, going, okay, there's three different places to manipulate color information on a PC or a Mac, and it's up to the user to try to figure out how to make all those pieces fit together.
1: Right.
2: Which, <laughs> and there was some software that worked with the DDC control interfaces. Other software that worked with just creating ICC profiles. There was other software for editing lookup tables. There was software for kind of merging lookup tables and icc profiles uh, for sure But there wasn't a piece of software that took the color data in all three places and we can think kind of think of it as a if if we look at our video pipeline that we typically have in a home theater well we've got the display
1: mm-hmm.
2: we've got some sort of often a processor in between whether it's a receiver or a switcher that has processing right. and then we have our source right If we think of the PC and Mac paradigm kind of in a similar way, Uh again, we have the display, our DDC controls. We're going to control color temperature, backlight control, various other controls within the display. We move one step up for color processing. Well, that's our ICC profile. That's actually our color processor that would be equivalent to an external box in a home theater. And if we move one piece further up from that to our source, that's actually the input to our gamma lookup table in the video card. So it's a similar video pipeline. It's just all stuffed into one box and done in software instead of external hardware pieces. So we were looking at that thinking, okay, we've had success in the home theater market by combining these multiple pipelines into one process and making it much easier for the user to work with. And so that's essentially what we did with Calman RGB. You open it up. We talk to the display over DDC channel Mm -hmm. and we tell it what color temperature we expect it to be and we also set the backlight. And so we do typically a one-step or two-step color correction to set our white balance and then we set our target um, luminance on the display. That's the first step. The next step is we manipulate the lookup table on the graphics card to set our gamma on top of our white balance that we just did. And then the final step is to then measure the display's characteristics and create an ICC profile that then the operating system can finally use and implement. We manage all three of those pieces as one control within mm-hmm. what we call our Calman client or client three. If you go into client three and you right click on it and you tell it that, you know, if you've got multiple profiles within it right. and you say that you want, um, you know, profile one, profile two, whatever you call them or named them, Switching to that profile changes all three values. It changes the DDC values in the display. It changes the ICC profile that was matching that. And it loads the lookup tables that were appropriate for the video card all at the same time with just one click. Wow. So we married all three parts of the video chain into one piece.
1: Wow. Now I have Look. a historical perspective <laughs> on that. <laughs> that's so, that's so interesting.
2: Of, so that's kind of where it came from, where it was going, and kind of where we were
1: well, at. Well, I, I remember, um, I, I was, you know, and I was around the 80s and the 90s when we were trying to put things together and make them all work, and... Oh, it was, it was driver madness. You know, it wasn't just displays, it was issues with disk drives and things too. Well, let me ask you, is Calman RGB only intended for people doing graphics, you know, on a PC or in a Mac, or can people who want to calibrate their iMac or their MacBook Pro for video production purposes, does it work for both?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, mm. if, if your primary output Is an HDMI out of your Mac or your PC to a PC monitor, Mm -hmm. then this will work. Fix everything, but it does a much better job than what we were able to before. And what I mean by it doesn't fix everything is this still isn't a full 3D LUT implementation of the interface. There's still places within the display it could have non linearity issues, but this is better than what we've had before.
1: Well, I mean, for my own self, I've used, I've calibrated my iMac, and it sits literally right next to this Flanders FSI monitor. And frankly, the once I went through it a couple of times, got familiar with how it all worked uh, uh, in Resolve. Uh, I mean, not, not so much in Resolve, but using Resolve. When Resolve's up and it has a picture on the iMac and it has the video on the Flanders at the same time, they look darn near identical.
2: And that was our goal, was to be able to get them as close as we can within the physics and of the current technology. We're taking full advantage of everything the operating system gives us now.
1: It did two things. One is when I have a client in here, they're not constantly going, how come that one looks a little bit different? And neither is my mind doing that subconsciously when when I'm grading. But the other thing is it occurred to me that for all these guys that I've run into over the years who are just getting involved in video production and there's lots of people doing it part-time, they don't have to run out and buy a $5,000 monitor to know with some degree of confidence that your iMac or your MacBook Pro is very close. Um, is a comforting no- not piece of knowledge because there's no other way for you to really figure that out.
2: Oh, and that is true. Um, the... Displays that Apple uses, whether it's in their their uh, MacBooks or the Apple Cinema Pro monitors, um, are very good. They have very good linearity, um, similar to like the you know the HP Dream Colors, um, the higher end Dells, those kind of monitors. So if you get into kind of the mid-priced monitors, uh-huh. a lot of those linearity issues towards the bottom are resolved within their own firmware. It's only when you get into the lower end, right? You know, kind of run-of-the-mill. LCDs that you just went to a box store and picked up for two or three hundred bucks, um, it will look good, but it's still going to have issues at the bottom end. Right? Um, yeah. For these these mid-priced ones, through using Calman RGB, we can
1: get them very close to higher-end monitors. Right. So, and but also it's automated. It's a very <laughs> it's insanely simple process. But so, but there are other products on the market, right? I think kind of going back to your original um historical perspective and and saying that common rgb now includes the ability to uh, um include what's going on in the icc or impact that and 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 the lookup table for the hardware and what was the third thing i forgot the ddc controls the ddc the controls so yeah. is that what other products do and 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 if so what's the difference between you know what other products do to some degree i'm not trying to knock the competition i'm just trying to compare here. oh no And we have two primary, three primary
2: competitors in this space, Um, two very large ones, one that we source all of our meters from. (laughs) Um, And and they're fully aware of the software that we developed. They're all starting to kind of go along the same path because when we developed the previous version of CalMAN RGB called CalPC, it had some of this in it and it made them aware of kind of the direction that we're going. Mm. And then we worked on CalMAN RGB for nearly two years. And so they caught up a bit. Um, to what we were doing so there are products out there um, from competitors that are that have similar capability but typically what happens with our competitors is they typically build a measurement device a colorimeter and the software often becomes kind of second to that because they make their money on the hardware Mm. and they develop software to sell hardware Um, and so they typically you know some of them develop very very good hardware the stuff from X-Rite's phenomenal yeah that's why we source our meters from them but they're not software guys Um, well they are but but their focus is putting hardware out there they get they get credit for selling units and if software has to be in it that's what they have to do Where we're the opposite of that you know our focus is entirely on software the process ease of use adding advanced features without making the interface clumsy or difficult to understand giving Customers, a path. So when they start with us, they don't run out of options when they start moving up to, to bigger and bigger systems. Right. And, and in fact, that's one of our pages we just put up on our website. You know, there's a why us, basically, why SpectreCal, and there's a why man And we talk about our history and lineage, mm-hmm. where we came from. We're essentially the standard for video calibration in the home theater market. We have been for a number of years. Um, we're rapidly approaching that in the professional markets in studio. You know, with customers like Technicolor, Company 3, Photocam, those kind of companies that are, that are using our software in-house now as well. Cool. So we're taking that lineage and saying, you know, we, we learned color science and the need to calibrate displays in really, really critical and difficult environments. And now we're coming back to PCs, which for us are much simpler because they behave in a very specific way. They have very specific controls, and there's only certain things we can do with it. And that's why we've been able to come up with a calibration interface Within CalMAN RGB, we have two workflows or two processes that you can load up in it. One is called our standard, mm-hmm. which essentially is plug the meter in, start the software. The software prompts you to put the meter on the screen. It shows you where to put it. You press a button, and two to five minutes later, it's done. That was it. <laughs> um, that will calibrate your display to sRGB or Rec. 709, to patch one? depending on which one you target, and right. set up everything else for you. If you want to go beyond that, then you can load our advanced workflow, and we give you a bunch of options for manipulating um, different controls. If you want to load more than one profile, you want to have a you know, sRGB and a 709 or a day and a night or you know, various profiles, you know, one for editing photos, one for editing video. Um, you can do those in our advanced workflow. But it's all the same software, and it's all the same process, so it's really easy to jump from one to the other.
1: Well, in addition to that, you can, uh, let's say you got it on your laptop and you're on your Mac laptop, for instance, and you're running uh, VMware, uh, you can calibrate your the Mac side of it or the PC side if you want to. But in addition to that, you can calibrate another iMac or another MacBook Pro over the network locally. Yes,
2: and we designed that from day one. Um, that was one of our cr- design criteria. was that what we call our client, it's uh, Calman Client 3, right. runs as a tray application on Mac or Windows. Right. Um, and it's essentially our ICC profile DDC LUT manager. That's the piece that basically manages everything. It's also our pattern generator. Mm. Um, it's network aware, so you can connect from Calman to it anywhere on the network. Um, and so, if you have several Macs, you basically just load the client on each one or PCs. So, if you're a small post house, you just load up this on on your computers, and then you walk around as a technician with your calman edit or um, calibration computer workstation, whatever it may be. Yeah. And you connect to each one remotely via IP address. You put the monitor or the the probe on the screen. Press go. It's done. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Um, and that software stays resident. And so, the person using the computer then can switch between profiles if, if the the person that was uh, calibrating created multiple profiles for them.
1: I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, in every smaller uh, or you know, just about any size studio I've been in, um, in addition to that, they've also got a TV for the uh, you know demoing to their clients, and you can use the same software for that.
2: Yes, although if you're using a TV, we typically recommend that you also get the bigger brother to that Calman Studio. It'll be an
1: upgrade for that, yeah.
2: Which yeah. which gives us more capability. And that's and that's one of the things about why Calman that we talk about on our website versus our competitors. Uh-huh. uh-huh. One, um, we support pretty much every colorimeter out there. You know, if you buy software from one of our competitors, you're going to get their measurement device and that's all it talks to. So you're kind of stuck with it. Within Calman, whether you want to buy a relatively inexpensive measurement device or high-end measurement device the same software supports all of them right but we also give you a growth path so if you find that you are a small production post house whatever it may be fx and you start calibrating your max and you're like oh this is really phenomenal now i need to start calibrating my secondary displays my (laughs) customer or my viewing room with my projector exactly you just get the next version of calman that's up from that right and there's add-ons for studio for RGB, so you're not taking away from RGB, you just keep adding on to that. And then if you find that then you're doing high-end systems and you get into some really high-end gear, you know, you keep growing and you're running, you know, four or five production rooms simultaneously, then you get into Calman Ultimate, which does all of that. And so one piece of software, one growth path, and we support all the hardware from, you know, $150 product up to a $3,000
1: product. Well, then what's the intram- entrance price? If they say someone heard this, they like it, they want to try it out, what's, what, what's it cost you to get the software and the probe?
2: We just put Calman RGB up on the website. Mm-hmm. Its MSRP is $199. We've got a or street price currently of $149. And that includes uh, our C3 measurement device. The C3 is designed primarily for LCD displays, mm-hmm. whether, whether it is CCFL, traditional LCD, or LED backlit. Um, which most pc monitors and most laptop monitors are based now so that's yeah. primarily what it's targeted towards if you need something that's for plasmas and projectors and oleds and other things then our c6, c6 yeah um, which is a step up from the c3 but certainly the c3 with calman rgb it's a complete bundle for 149 <laughs> and we just put that up last week
1: well that's a big difference in price from the uh, times past this is all part of what i was saying i think there's a significant evolutionary change is taking place and it's just kind of goes along with more people being involved in video um production and post-production because the price of computers have dropped and the availability of software is free as i've mentioned before in the past the color grading marketplace has changed in the last 24 months Blackmagic magic <laughs> basically gives away a, a, something that used to cost you hundred thousand dollars to set up in a room for color grading And uh, one of the terms I use is it's like, you know, when the tide comes in, all the boats rise, people start becoming more color aware and they become more um, aware and begin to notice this monitor doesn't really calibrate that, you know, and you think, well, you're going to have to have someone come in. That'll be a thousand dollars. It's not like that anymore. And it's you don't have to know a great deal about display calibration. It appears in order to make this thing work for you and take advantage of that, get on to doing your production projects.
2: And that has always been our goal: is to provide software that was easy to use, that was affordable.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Often, what we ran into was the measurement devices themselves. You know, if we wind back ten years, a measurement device that had good quality was four to eight thousand dollars. Whoa! Even, even just a few years ago, a measurement device. You know, if we go back four or five years ago, a measurement device was probably two to three thousand and it's only been within the last couple of years that we've been able to get the price of the color measurement devices and um, the colorimeters down to what we believe is a reasonable price And that has been primarily our work with X right yeah and Tom Leanza and, and the group that yeah. were originally from SQL Imaging we went to them and, Good and basically posed the problem said we need this this and this mm-hmm. like okay interesting project we'll, we'll work on that. Um, and that's where the c3 and c6 came out of was that to give us something that is very accurate fast and affordable and so that's also been driving down the price of calibration the second part of that is the side of generating patterns you know we need we need reference patterns and we need reference patterns today that we call rgb triplets if we go back Five to ten years ago, you typically had an external pattern generator. Mm-hmm. It was a box, single purpose, expensive, two to ten thousand dollars, depending on what it did, and it had a fixed number of patterns. Right? Maybe it had hundred patterns. That was a lot then, because of because they actually burned the patterns down into silicone or maybe a, an FPGA, an EPROM or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so about 4 years ago we started looking at this problem going okay we need to fix this because that's <laughs> going to be well it's an impediment it's a it's you know, a limiting factor yeah it, it becomes a limiting factor you know we can write the software and you know charge an appropriate price for it but we're still stuck by the hardware vendors right and and what they think they need to charge or or what their their limited run boxes were costing and so that's why and RGB has a built-in pattern generator. It's built right into the client. You don't need anything else right. if you're just calibrating your PC monitors. Uh, for the same reason that we came up with our virtual forge, which runs on the Thunderbolt devices, whether it's Blackmagic or AJA, so that if you're using a Blackmagic or an AJA output device other than HDMI, you know, say you're stepping up just one notch uh-huh. and you want a little bit higher video quality output over SDI, um, we have software that runs on that that you can use as a reference pattern generator. Right. So right. we're not so we're not saying you have to go out and buy more hardware. We will use whatever you've essentially got in your box or hooked up to your
1: to your laptop. Right. I've I've actually used the Virtual Forge uh to um I didn't didn't calibrate my flanders. What I wanted to do was just run the patterns over there and um run a so, color check.
2: Yeah, I just, no, it's exactly it's it's a real common program. Just wanted
1: to do that and and I did that and I sent it to uh flanders uh bram or brahm i forget his name now Brom, yeah brahm and yep. i said should you know should i send the c6 Pro bin with it just to get it you know like totally lined out and he goes oh, not really what you have right there's pretty good <laughs> so and okay fine you know and uh so uh, but you know that's what i'm saying they got one piece of software uh, you know i can run things in different areas well okay well good enough on that then Hey, I understand you're headed off to Simti, the 4K conference. Anything interesting you want to pass along about that? Oh, uh, yeah. We head out tomorrow for the,
2: the SMPTE, um conference ha- happening this week. They've got a uh, 4K demo room wow. that we're setting up on Sunday, working with the display manufacturers. I believe it's going to be open on the Monday before the conference opens for people to walk through and talk to 4K. And it's not just display manufacturers. They're 4K process, 4K storage. It's basically all about 4K. Yeah. Yeah, um, And so we'll be in there working with the display manufacturers, getting their display set up, doing measurements, you know, whatever they need us to do in the 4K room. We'll be taking our VideoForge 4K pattern generator cool, um, with us. We'll also be taking a couple of our colorimeters and then also a spectroradiometer <laughs> so that we can measure spectral data as well as run color check on these displays as
1: well. Cool. Yeah, I mean... You know, aren't we going through the same thing with 4K that we went through with HD? You know, it's like, well, no one can afford it and the market's going to be slow to grow. And, you know, okay, well, we'll see. <laughs> well, I think I'm one
2: of the, I may be the only person in the U.S. that actually has a 4K Panasonic. <laughs> um, they sent me one. I can talk about it now. It's no, we're no longer Yeah, here. well, let's hear about but it. I've got a, uh, it. Well, I've got a WT600. Wow. It's their 4K LCD LED backlit. They sent us one in September. And they announced them right around CD or just after Cedia um, at IBC. What's your impression? Over in Europe. So it's a phenomenal display. I just wish I had 4K content on it. <laughs> so, but does it up-res? Oh, yeah. It does a very, very good job of up Yeah, that's what I'm curious um, about. Is, yeah. it, it's it's a beautiful display, 65-inch, good viewing angle, good colors, calibrates well. You know, everything you'd expect from a high-end Panasonic. Yeah. Just just need content. So, and I'm probably going to be in the same place everybody else is. And I was in the same place when HD came out. Yeah. You know, I had HD ready displays and I'd I'd bought some of the earlier Pioneer stuff that you could get the HD out on cards all right, for. And all right. Had it already and you know, as soon as the first channel came over the Seattle Airwaves, I was getting, you know, the 1 hour of HD they did a day or you know, as soon as they started broadcasting HD. Oh Saturday, yeah, I remember that. set up so it was just
1: <laughs> and it was yeah, you know, you had
2: you had 4 hours of HD a day and now it's just everything is HD
1: so Yeah. Times will change. Well, Derek, thank you so much for your time today. I think I have a better feel for this. I hope the listeners do. I know I've had a number of questions come my way with like, What the heck is this? Why should I bother? Aren't there other solutions? And now I think I understand. One thing that really touches me that I get is that you've got such a strong historical perspective of where the um, display calibration software came from as it relates to the hardware. And it, it just makes me feel a little more comfortable that you guys know what you're doing and where you're going. So thank you.
2: Well, we, like everybody else, we're learning every day. We have a lot of industry experts that we rely on. Mm-hmm. You know, the Charles Poyntons of the world, you know, we're yeah. very close friends with. Yeah, Brahm from Flanders, we rely on him a lot about, you know, what he needs for his displays. Panasonic Group get a lot of information out of them so we work really really closely with the display manufacturers on their needs where they're going right? Um, which kind of helps us prepare what we need the future of the software but it's a moving industry and it's moving fast and so our goal is to stay ahead of it if we can at least not up with it um, but be able to provide the software to the customers as these new technologies come out way cool well thank you alright thank you Tom
0: if you need Brother, you better get hip to this vibe Well, won't you stop killing that song that you're singing And bring on the swing This life is for living Bring on the swing, bring on the swing Get Ella and Basie doing their thing Mr. Bentley my head is starting to spin I need my pick bring on the swing. In Nashville town down by the railroad track. On a Monday night, the station inn is where it's at. Is it To my head is starting to spin. I need my foot to so ring on the swing. Mm-hmm. Austin, Texas is the heartland for sure. The band leader, my head is starting to spin I need my books so ring on the sweat.